Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. in the right service. Okay, just make it sure. My name is Pastor Gabe, and alongside my lovely bride, Lauren, we serve as the lead pastors here at the Broussard campus, and today's going to be a great day. It's going to be a different day, but it's going to be a great day. I want to give you a few quick um, reminders, but before I do, if you are a guest with us, we're very glad, very blessed, and honored that you're here with us, church. Let's show our guests that we're honored to have them. Thank you for being here with us. Very, we, we know there's a lot of great places that you can be on a Sunday, especially the first one of the new year, and we're glad you're starting it right in the right place with God's family. A few quick announcements. Um, first one is we are going to be relaunching something that is, we haven't had in a little while. Many of you know of OS College, our college that we have with interns and those things that are led by Dr. Scott Adams, who is a brilliant theologian. He was the lead pastor here at the Broussard campus before he stepped out and took over our Midtown campus and launched our college. And Dr. Scott is a, he's a professor at Regent University, ORU, or Roberts University, and my alma mater, Manor University. As, yeah, and leading our, our internship here at the church. So he's a brilliant, brilliant theologian. Well, he's going to be opening up night classes, evening classes for anyone in our church who wants to be a part of it. And so you don't have to be one of our interns. If you're the ages of 16 or older, you're, you qualify to be a part of this, this evening class. And so it's going to be on Tuesday night starting January 23rd at our Lafayette campus. And if you want more information, you can go to our website, OurSaviorsChurch.com, and you can find them more information about those evening classes. And as well, you don't, this is not college accredited, so you don't have to pay college tuition, but there is a cost associated with it. But if you sign up before the 14th, you'll, you're considered early bird registration, and so you'll get 15% off of that. And I encourage you, listen, if you just want to learn more about the Bible or theology or certain topics in Scripture— I encourage you. I, I learned so much. I have my degree today because I met Dr. Scott Adams eight, nine years ago. And because of that, he really challenged me. And I encourage you to let, let him be a blessing to your life as well. Now, beginning tomorrow, everybody say tomorrow. We're kicking off something that we do here every year called our, our week of prayer and fasting. And this is our time to really set the normal rhythms of life aside and put God first, consecrate ourselves to God, set ourselves aside and say, God, these are my requests, but Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to say to me? What do you want to say about my life? What do you want to say about this year? What do you want to say about different situations in my family? I'm fasting and praying and seeking your face. And when you fast, it's almost like you're saying, God, I'm serious <laughs> because I'm willing to put aside that which is important to me to show that you are way more important to me, that I need you more than even the food that I eat. So I want to briefly tell you a couple things about the fast that's coming up. 
every morning, starting tomorrow through Friday, we're going to have 6 a.m. prayer here at the Broussard campus. And I encourage you that to please come if you're fasting and praying. Listen, if you're fasting and not praying, that's called starving. Okay, I, a fast is when you're really just seeking God in that time. And so we're going to have that. So maybe instead of breakfast, come and pray and spend time with God. Numbers of people are going to be here, and you're going to hear from some of our, our pastors and leaders and elders, and then we're going to corporately pray together and seek God together. So that's going to be at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday here at the Broussard campus. But then I also want to explain to you different types of fast. What are some different types of fast? Well, the traditional, the normal fast is when you have only water. And you take that time where you would normally eat, you go and spend time with God, go in prayer, you get into God's word. And so that's, that's the biblical fast that we saw Jesus do, that Elijah the prophet did. That's the traditional fast. But then some people do a juice fast where you don't eat, but you drink juice. And that's okay as well. Honestly, there's you don't have to do a specific type of fast. What I'm asking as your pastor is that you fast something, that you see God. And another pretty popular type of fast is the Daniel fast. And that comes from Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel didn't eat any meat. He didn't eat any dairy or sweets or breads. He only ate vegetables. As a Cajun, we're like, what else is there? But he ate he ate nothing but vegetables, and I know that some of you live that type of lifestyle already, but, so, but find, maybe for some of you, that's a sacrifice. And so take that sacrifice and fast and pray and see God's face, and we'll come together next week after our fast for spiritual renewal, and that's going to be a powerful time. Lastly, before we dive into God's Word, today we're in for a treat because um, this isn't the message, so don't leave after this. But we get the privilege of hearing from really my spiritual father and an incredible pastor in all of our pastor's lives at our Savior's church, Pastor Jim LaFoon. My pastor is Pastor Jacob Aranza, who began this church. He is my pastor. His, every pastor needs a pastor. And his pastor is the gentleman you're going to hear from, Pastor Jim. Some of you have heard him speak to our church before. Maybe you've been prophesied over him. Pastor Jim has a very strong prophetic gift. And if you're wondering what that is and what that means, look up, look in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It describes these gifts of the Spirit that God gives to the church as a gift. And he gives these spiritual gifts to men. And these men operate in these gifts to build up the church and encourage people, encourage and speak on God's behalf. Pastor Jim has that gift. And he's prophesied to everyone from Tim Tebow, Torin Wells. Uh, at one point, Pastor Jim prophesied to Governor Blanco many years ago when she was losing the governor's race and prophesied that she would win the governor's race. And then she won. And while he was prophesying to her, he told her, I see bodies popping up out of the water in the state. And fast forward a few years, she's flying in a helicopter over New Orleans doing Hurricane Katrina and seeing bodies floating in the water. And she says, get that prophet on the phone. That's the gift that God has trusted us with in Pastor Jim LaFoon. And so he has a message as, as we've been celebrating our 25-year our anniversary as a church. He has a special message that he wanted to share with our church. So I'm going to get out of the way. We're going to watch this brief message together, and then we're going to come back and dive into God's Word. 
As we come to the end of 2023, I want to wish my Our Savior's family a happy 25th anniversary. 26 years ago, I sat with your pastor, your pastors, Jacob and Michelle, and told them I believe you all should start a church. Here we are today, thousands of people saved, amazing church, campuses everywhere. But I want to tell you as we look into 2024, you've only just begun. When I look at the next 10 years, 20 years, what God has for you is truly amazing. It seems like just yesterday I was sitting in Appaloosa. In fact, it was two years ago I was sitting in Appaloosa. And it was the first weekend in December. And as I was with Eugene and Heidi in the green room, I saw the foot of God come down from heaven. God gives me impressions sometimes. And I thought, man, what is happening? And God's foot hit an accelerator. And he told me two years ago um, that the church was coming into a massive time of acceleration that would last for 36 months. And that God would accelerate the church in America and prepare it for a great revival. Now, when we come to the next presidential election in 2024, that is the beginning of the 36th month the Lord showed me. When we come out of that, if I see it correctly, there will be a fresh infusion of God's power and spirit, which will shake our country and touch it by his power and touch it by his spirit. I know it's been hard, economy shaken, country polarized, wars in Ukraine, wars in the Middle East. Let me tell you, do not be afraid. God has allowed the world to be shaken to create new hunger for God. And may I tell you, as you come to the next end of the next year of 2024, yes, there'll be interesting shakings in the year. There always are. But God's spirit is going to propel this church and by the time he's done, he'll propel you at a speed you've never known. New sites, new campuses, more people saved. God is going to drench you in the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, there's an interesting verse in Hosea 13, 14. It talks about the pangs of childbirth. And it says that Israel was like an unwise son because when the pangs of childbirth came, they were so afraid, they were so broken, they were so hurt, they would not come to the end of the birth canal. What does that mean? Many times when the world is shaking, it's easy to become insecure, frightened, scared, wondering. But the very shakings that come to our world, there are times when they're divine birth pains, that God is getting ready to birth something new on the earth. And that's where we are. He's coming to save our country. He's coming to help our country. How do you and I respond to this? What do we do? Well, first, it's a time of fresh consecration. As you come into 2024, offer yourself to God like never before. You go, well, Pastor Jim, why is that important? Like, what can I really do? May I tell you, beloved, as the presence of God comes to your church, your prayers are so important. You know, when you talk about creating rain, there's a thing called seeding the clouds. 
And prayer seeds the clouds of God's presence to bring rains of revival and evangelism. As you sow your time into OSC, as you serve, it's so important. As you sow your talent, your gifts, your calling, your treasure, your finances, you're creating moments for God to move. I know it's been a rough few years from COVID to the economy. What the enemy is meant for evil, God is meant for good. And he is coming to propel this church by his power, to propel this church by his spirit. OSC, you're 25 years old and you're only in the beginning of what God wants to do. He is going to use you in astonishing ways, saving people, planting churches, new campuses, transforming lives. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for my OSC family. I thank you that their greatest days are ahead. Lord, that you're going to drench them in your spirit. You're going to propel them forth with evangelism. They will not be able to count the hundreds of men and women that are saved in the years to come, even thousands. You're going to bless them. And right now, on the cusp of a fresh outpouring of your spirit, we offer ourselves to you. We offer our time to you, our talent to you, our treasure to you. We present ourselves to you and we thank you for what you're doing. It's an honor to have served this church for 25 years. It's an honor to be family with you. You've only just begun to see the astonishing things that God has for you. Thank you very much. What a great word. Let's respond to that in faith. And so I'm going to ask you, Rick, I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to pray with me. If you will, and you mean this from your heart, I want you to lift your hands and we're going to receive that word. So, Father, I thank you. I pray for your people. God, speak to us today in your word. But, Lord, we also want to respond to that word. So, if you, church, if you will, say this with me. Say, Lord, I receive everything that you've promised us. Fill us with the spirit of faith, the spirit of evangelism, the spirit of discipleship to glorify Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you, Cody. Let's give Jesus praise. Come on. Well, we're beginning um, a series called Come Follow Me, and we, we did a series called Come Follow Me, this series last year, and I want to bring it back again as we just restart this, this brand new year afresh. And I want to begin by talking about calling. Because when we hear about calling, a lot of times we think of our occupation or the activity or the things that we do. When you think of your calling, people think, I'm called to be an accountant, or I'm called to be a teacher, or a plumber, or an oil field worker, or I'm called to, to run a company, or I'm an executive. That's my calling. Or we think about some activity that we do within the church. 
I'm called to be a small group leader. I'm called to serve in the nursery. I'm called to serve with the teenagers. And we think of those things, and those things are fantastic, and they're great, and they're needed, but those are not your primary calling. As a matter of fact, we put so much emphasis on the activities and the things that we do, but how many of you know the calling is not necessarily as, well, it's certainly not as important as the caller? Because you can't have a calling without having a caller. And the main thing is Jesus. He is the point. He is the main thing. I remember my youth pastor many, 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 many moons ago when I was a young man, he said, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. (laughs) It's simple. Think about that. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. And we complicate things when we make something secondary the main thing. That's how we complicate life. That's how we complicate ministry and the church and all of those things when the main thing is Jesus. What is the thing that he called me to do? What is the primary calling that he made for me? Now, I want to tell you something. I was telling someone just this week, when I preach, if there's 800, 900 people here, then 800 and 900 people typically hear something different. It's just the truth. How many of you ever talked to somebody and they say, man, then you, I love when Pastor Gabe said that. And you say, he, he didn't say that. <laughs> People will tell me that years later. I remember when you said that. I'm like, I've never said that. <laughs> but oftentimes the Holy Spirit will use moments like this to speak something to your heart that he's not speaking to the person next to you. But I want to be abundantly, emphatically clear that what I'm talking about today, this calling applies to every single person in this room. Every person who's walked through those doors, this calling applies to you. And I want to read to you, what is that calling? What is the primary thing that Jesus has called us to focus on? Mark chapter 1, verse 16. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is what he says. First thing, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who would later be called Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, and I want you to hear these words, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Church, can I tell you, that's the primary calling. That's the most important calling that God places on your life. Following him. Being transformed as we follow him. Becoming more like him as we follow him. That's what he's called each and every one of us to. And from that primary calling, he gives a bit of a secondary calling. And he says, if you do that, as you follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Other translation says, I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. What was that primary calling? Follow me. Come, follow me. That's the greatest calling that us as human beings could ever receive, that God in his utter perfection came in the flesh as man and called ordinary people to be his followers. Can I just tell you, I believe 
God delights, and according to his word, he delights in taking the foolish things of the world and confusing the wise. He didn't call the richest men in Galilee. He didn't call the most educated men in Galilee. As a matter of fact, these men were, just by sheer fact of being from Galilee, they were typically thought of as uneducated people. This is typically what they were thought of. And he says to these men, come follow me. Now, what what did he call them to? I'll tell you what he didn't call them to. He didn't say, come and join this brand new religion that I'm starting. He didn't say, come and be a part of this new ministry setting that I'm trying to develop or this new way of thinking, this new doctrine. I didn't, he didn't come and say, come and join a religion. And he didn't say, come and do better. He didn't say, come and just become a better person. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. And for those of you that are wondering, what does that even mean? It means that we're dead in our sin. You don't know what your life is supposed to be. You don't know what life is supposed to be like. When you're dead and lost and in sin, the world you think makes sense, but it doesn't. Because sin has come and it's so marred our perspective and how we view things and how we think about things that God has to say to us, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You don't see the world. You don't see circumstances. You don't even see individuals the way that I see them. Because sin has so perverted the way that we see the world and we see one another. And then Jesus comes along as the perfect man, and he helps us learn how to see things the right way. He learns, he teaches us how to see things through God's lens, through God's perspective. It's called having the mind of Christ. He teaches us how to have his mind, how to react to things the way that he wants us to react, which is the right way for us to react. Are y'all with me? came as the perfect man to show us how. So he did a lot with those few words, but he came and began the process of letting humanity follow him and learn. That's what he calls us to, church. And what's ironic is this is the time of year that all of us are trying to do better. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you got a brand new gym membership that you will not be using a month from now? How many of you bought an elliptical or a Peloton that's going to make a great clothes hanger in the next two months? We're all trying to do better. I got to do better. I got to be better. I want to be different than I was. Come tell you, Christianity is not about being better. It's not what God called you to. He didn't call you to behavior modification. Behavior modification says, do this, do this, do this, do this, do that, and then maybe you'll be good enough. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus, his calling was come and follow me. And as you're following him, guess what he's doing? Transforming you. Teaching you the right way to think. Teaching you the right way to act. Teaching you the right way to be. And for many of you in this room, You have heard this calling many times, and you have sat in these pews many times. 
And these words have echoed throughout your mind and your soul, but you have yet to respond to them. The truth is, is that sometimes in a moment, you may, your hands may even get saved, but you know you haven't followed him. And I want to challenge you this morning to not wait till the end of service, to not wait till you become better. I'm, I got to do better before I start following God. That's backwards. Can I tell you a very loving yet hard reality? You can't do better without him. Your efforts mean nothing to him. Your following him means everything to him. So church, if you've been here and maybe this is your first time, maybe you've been coming for months or years, but you know you've never answered that call to come and to follow him. I want to give you the opportunity right now to follow him. Don't wait. If, if he's been calling you, I'm here to tell you, it's time. It's time. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from doing it your way. Turn from trying to fit him into your box. The Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you right now. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give this up. What he's calling you to is to give up everything but he gives you more than you gave up. So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads. No music, no setting. You and Jesus. If he's been calling you to follow and you've resisted, now's your time. This is a divine moment from heaven. I sense that by the spirit of God for you. So if that's you and you want to respond to that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that honestly some of you said before and or heard before, but you've never meant, but this time we're going to mean it because we're answering the call to follow him. The count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. That's you, lift it up. You know who you are. Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. This is your time with God. Lift it up high. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Put them down. I want to pray, and I want you to mean it from your heart and answer the call and say, I'm going to follow you from this moment on. You don't have to be perfect. It's not the behavior modification. It's the commitment in your heart that this is the line of sa in the sand. This is the line of demarcation. It's this moment. I am his. Church, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender, and I will follow you. From this moment on, I belong to you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross. You faced sin, death, and hell. So I wouldn't have to. And you rose again from the dead with a brand new life 
to give me a brand new life. So please forgive me of my sins. I turn away from them and I repent of them and I commit to following you. And from this moment on, God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. Heaven is now my home. And I am your follower. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at me. No turning back. No turning back. From this moment on, if you fall and you mess up, guess what? You don't have to get saved again. No, no, no. You repent. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up. So get back up if you make a mistake. But here's the thing. Your heart is now committed to him. And he's going to teach you how to do it his way. Why? Because now you're his. Now you're his. Are y'all with me? Church, let's celebrate with those who just prayed that. Now, let me teach you something about following him, and, and I'm going to preach for a little bit, not long, before, before we go. Let me tell you something about becoming like him. You can't become like someone that you don't know. And this is what I mean by that. You can imitate people you've never met, right? I can imitate. How many of you as a kid imitated Michael Jackson, but you never met him, right? You weren't like him. But we can imitate people all the time. But when you know them, you get, you, you get to know the why behind their what. You get to know the intentions of their heart. You get to know why they do what they do. And when you start to learn why they do what they do, it all of a sudden it makes sense as to why you do it. Let me give you an example of that. Dead religion, let me tell you what dead religion is. Dead religion is a bunch of people trying hard to imitate someone that they don't know. That's what dead churches and dead religion is. It's a group of people trying to do, trying to follow the rule and do it this way for someone that they don't have a relationship with and they don't know. I was speaking with one of our city marshals maybe a couple years ago. And I can remember when I first met this man. You talk about one of the most intimidating men I, you've ever sat with in your entire life. I went down. I'd never met him before. And we had breakfast together. And he sat there sucking his teeth at me. And every insecurity that I had as a lost teenage boy breaking the law came flooding back. But we began to develop a relationship. And he began to let me pastor him and speak into his life. And one day we're having this conversation, and I just asked him, I said, Furnace, what makes you so courageous? Like, what is it that makes you step into situations that other people run away from? Because people call you when they're trying to get out of something, and you go running into the building that they're trying to get out of. And it's, the answer that he gave is different than you might expect. Because for some of you, you may think maybe the same way I did. You're just born that way. You're just wired that way, right? Or you're just, maybe it's male bravado and I, I'm this alpha male and I got to do all of this garbage. His response to me was very telling and it was very different. He said, the reason why I do that 
Pastor, you want to know that motivation is love. He said, when you love someone, you're willing to put your life in danger. When you love someone and you want to protect them, you're willing to go the extra mile and help them in situations that other people are running away from. His motivation was love. And can I just tell you something? That made so much sense when I heard it. I got to hear the why behind his what. I got to hear the intention behind his rationale, behind his logic, behind why he does what he does. You don't get that from just watching people. You've got to hear that and learn that and that you catch that. It's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. Because you can spend your life trying to do all of the rules the right way, but you don't know why Jesus did what he did. That's why you have to follow him, and he teaches you, and you learn his heart. You learn the mind of Christ, and you start, you start seeing sin differently than you did before. You would see it the same way Adam and Eve saw it, good and bad. This is good, this is bad. I got to try really hard to be good, but I really want to be bad, so I'm going to stay on this line and try to, maybe God will come at the right moment when I'm on this side of the line. Instead of viewing it the way that Jesus views it, that this thing that I may be tempted with is only there to utterly destroy my life and my lineage and my family history. And you start to see it through the lens of God. And you start to interact with people where normally you would be around people and you go, I can't stand that dude. You would think, you see them the way Jesus sees them and you go, even though I don't like them, I know God loves them. What is it? How can I help them? How can I teach them? How can I serve them? Because Jesus put on a towel and served men that would run away from him in just 24 hours. Jesus laid down his life for the same people who yelled, crucify him. And you start to take on the mind of Christ. And the only way you get that is from following him. Are y'all with me? This is what he's called us to. It's not the rules and the regulations. It's understanding how much he absolutely loves you, is crazy about you, and calls you to be like him. That's what this is. So that's what we're talking about in this series, being a disciple, a disciplined learner, a follower of Jesus. And on this journey of following, we learn his why. We learn his heart. I want to read something about the teaching of Jesus to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You need, to, you need to hear this. Verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and, will, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Pastor, what's the yoke? Is it like, did Jesus break an egg over my head? Like, is that a yoke in, a, in this day and time? And it's an agricultural society where you had ox or oxen together in this wooden thing called the yoke that would link them together. And they couldn't get out of it and go in different directions. They, they didn't have Kubotas and John Deere's. They had oxen. 
And they would put these yokes on and they would plow fields. They would put the plow strapped in behind them and they would plow a field so that you could plant your crops. And so this yoke was symbolic of being in a, such a close-knit bond with something or someone. So when Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy, he's saying, listen, I've already done the hard work. I've done the heavy lifting in, our, in your responsibility, in this calling, in this thing. I've done the tough part. Your commitment is to follow me. Your part is repentance. Your part is letting me be Lord. That's the part that you play. We're yoked together. But guess what he says? It's easy for you. You don't have to live the law. The way the Jewish people, where I have to do this and do this and do this and this law and this ritual. And why is it that we're so in, in like enamored by that, that we somehow want to do that? You're free from the law. You don't have to live out the law. Our law is following Jesus and his life. That's what we're called to. So I love the way this website called gotquestions.com, it's a theological website, it's the truth, it's not just Google, it's a theological website that answers Christian questions. I love the way that they talk about this scripture in particular. They say this, the yoke of Jesus is light and easy to carry because it is the yoke of repentance and faith followed by a singular commitment to follow him. The yoke we carry is following Jesus. The yoke we carry is being committed to him. And when he puts his finger on something in our heart, we say, you're God. Lord, I'll change it if that's what you want. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. That's, your, that's what you carry. He's done the hard part already. Are y'all with me? So how do I get to know Jesus? How do I follow him? That's what we're talking about in this series. And as a matter of fact, I, I love that our young adults ministry is leading the charge with this. Many of them are leading a small group on the come follow me. And, and I mentioned this last week. If anyone wanted to lead one that's led a small group in the past and been trained, we would love for you to lead one. I talked to one girl this morning. She said, Pastor Gabe, I just decided to do one. I already got 15 girls in my, in my come follow me small group. So that someone can walk with you and help you learn how to follow Jesus. This is something that Jesus does for us as we follow him. He teaches us how to pray. He establishes us in prayer. One of the things that the disciples wanted to learn from him the most as they were following him is how he prayed because they would be together and they would see the supernatural power and him healing the sick and him, him walking on water. And they, they saw all of this. And so they came to him one day and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We're your disciples. We're following you. Teach us how to pray. And that should be our prayer. That should be our heart. Lord, teach me how to pray. This was Jesus' response. I'm not going to stay here long. I'm going to briefly touch on it, but I encourage you, go and dive into it for yourself. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, let me pause there for a moment. If God in the form of flesh spent his life talking to the Father and needed that to live his life, what makes us think that we don't need that? 
What makes us think that we don't need to hear from God and talk to him about our situations in life? We need him. That's why we need prayer. Let me keep going. Verse 2, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't lead us, excuse me, and don't let us yield to temptation. And some of you might say, Pastor, I pray that prayer all the time. Here's the key difference between when we pray it and when Jesus prayed it. Jesus meant every word that he said. We at times have taken this prayer called the Lord's Prayer, which really is not the Lord's Prayer because it's not how he prayed. He taught you how to pray this way. But he said, he's, he was saying these things and teaching us the true meaning behind it, and we did the exact opposite of what he was doing. He turned us away from just the ritualistic prayers that we pray every day without meaning it, and we've taken his heartfelt prayer, and we've turned it into a meaningless ritualistic prayer that we don't mean. What Jesus is really teaching us is ask God for what you need. Honor him with your time. Honor him, excuse me, with your, with, with, that he's holy and worship him and exalt him and then get real and then let him convict you of sin and then let him tell you about relationships that you need to make right. He's teaching us these things, but instead we go, our Father, I never have to be out of name. I can come to the down all Amen. Did you pray today? Yeah. No, you didn't. What you did was recited a poem. Jesus goes on, verse 5, then teaches them more about prayer. Let me stop there. That wasn't enough. He started teaching them more about prayer. He didn't leave it off at the Our Father prayer. He said, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out, Excuse me, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he says this, so just so you don't misunderstand what he's saying, as if to say you have to convince God to do what's good. He clarifies that and he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words... Be consistent in your prayer. Don't give up, but trust that your father is good and wants to give good things to you. That's what he's teaching us. He's teaching them the heart of prayer. So what is prayer at its basic level? Prayer is this, it's communication with God. It's genuine, heartfelt, real communication with God. You don't have to dress a certain way to pray. You don't have to be in the church building in order for God to hear your prayers. 
God wants a constant flow of communication with you in him. That is prayer. Prayer, you can talk to God anywhere, anytime, about anything. That is prayer. And so we complicate it. God simplifies it. The Apostle Paul said it this way, I pray without ceasing, meaning I'm always praying. And prayer is not just something that God wants us to do. It's a lifestyle that he wants us to live. A lifestyle of consistent communication with him. Now, again, like the book of Acts said, I'm not going there for the sake of time, but we're, not, we're called to be devoted. Acts chapter 2 says these are the things the church did when they first were, the church was birthed. They devoted themselves to prayer. That wasn't haphazard. Meaning prayer was not just something that they, like, on your way to work, you're like, oh, man, I haven't prayed today. Uh, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for, I'm not not praying over my food. Okay. God, thank you for this car ride. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Prayer's not a haphazard thing that you do. Again, it's a constant communication between you and the Father. It's something you devote yourself to. The same way many of us, we are trying to devote ourselves to health, right? If you're going to devote yourself to health, you have to do something that you weren't doing before. You have to develop new habits. So I want to talk to you about how to develop new habits of prayer so that it can become a lifestyle for you. But first, let me tell you the reasons why we don't pray. And many of you know these reasons, but I want to unpack them. The reasons we don't pray, we don't know where to start for one. Or maybe it's been a long time since you talked to God. I haven't talked to God in forever. I don't know like what to even, where to start. I don't, I don't know what to do. That's one reason. So we just don't start. Or we're intimidated. We go to talk to God and then we realize, wait a minute, I'm, just, I'm talking to like, like God. Like the God. Like the one who said, let there be light. And then all of a sudden this thing called life was in existence. We can, it can be intimidating. Or like I said, you don't know what to say. Or how about this one? We're too busy. Pastor, I'm just too busy to spend time with God. I want you to think, let's, let's deconstruct that for a minute. You are so important and so busy that you're too busy to talk to the God that created you and created everything that you're trying to do. It takes, sometimes it takes deconstructing that to help us put things in perspective. So those are some of the reasons why we don't pray. Now let me give you the real reasons why we don't pray. The real reasons we don't pray is this. We don't understand just how much the Father loves us and wants to spend time with us. We don't understand that. Because if we really conceptualized and put in our mind that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin so that we could have fellowship with him, we would prioritize fellowship with him because that's how much he wants it with you. Not just in heaven. Eternal life is not just one day. Eternal life begins the moment you're born again. And that means that God wants to spend time with you. God, did you know God likes you? I don't know if you know that or not. God legitimately likes you. And he wants to spend time with you. And when you get that, you pray. And you don't, you don't make prayer, okay. Okay, uh, okay. One, two, three, go. Okay, God. Uh, no, you can be walking out of the Lord, that person stole my parking spot. I'm about to get in the flesh. <laughs> don't do it, okay. 
Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it becomes a part of your life. God, I'm having a bad day. Lord, I'm really struggling with this. Can you please give me grace? Please help me with this. God, I'm a parent, and I'm sad. You don't understand just how much he loves you and wants to spend time with you. The other reason why we don't pray is we don't understand just how much we actually need him. When you think that you're self-sufficient, I've heard people say this, and I've picked on it many times. People, I don't really pray for myself because I feel like they're selfish. You know what's selfish? Thinking that you can do it without God. That's what selfishness is. Thinking that you're smart enough and God, can, God deals with the stuff in India and Israel, and I got this. The Bible says in him we live, we breathe, and we have our being. You need him for the very breath that you have. And when you pray, you invite him into the things that go on in your life. I'm going to talk about this more briefly in a moment. But I, when I'm praying, I'm inviting God into situations in my life that I may think I know the right thing to do, but I'm inviting him in to guide me. And there are times that he changes my plans. There are times he changes the direction that I'm going in. And I would be wise to let him because he's God and I need him. When you understand that, you pray. I want to give you a very simple challenge as we begin the year. For some of you, you're doing this already. And if you do, I'm going to talk to you in a moment. But I want you to take 10 minutes for the next four weeks for the duration of this series, just the duration of the Come Follow Me series, 10 minutes a day in prayer. And I'm going to talk to you about ways very simply that you can do that. But I just want to challenge you, 10 minutes a day in prayer. That's four weeks starting tomorrow. Four weeks just spending time with him for 10 minutes. I want to ask you to take that challenge and take that commitment. And for those of you that say, Pastor, whew, I'm so past that, and, and I've, I've heard this before, I've learned this already, can I challenge you with two things? One, is that consistent in your life? But then two, who are you teaching the things that you've learned? Because it's great if you have a rich, robust prayer life, but if your brother or your sister is sitting next to you and they're struggling and you have the keys to help them, I want to challenge you to help them learn how to pray. Don't get prideful in how much of a spiritual giant you are. You aren't much of a spiritual giant unless what God's depositing in you is flowing out into others. When that's blocked, you know what? That's called the Dead Sea. There's nothing but death when things flow into it, but nothing flows out of it, and there's no life in it. Pastor, well, how do you pray? As, as your pastor, as someone who's discipling you and walking with you, I want to challenge you. I want to, not challenge, I want to just tell you very practically, this is what I do. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but I, this is how I pray. This is what I believe is the way to pray. Number one, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Daily. Daily. I'll tell you my morning routine. I wake up in the morning I'm going to spare you all of the brushing my teeth details and all the other things. But I wake up in the morning, I drink water. I get up, wake myself. I don't, the first thing I drink is not coffee. Have you ever seen the inside of a coffee mug? Do you want your insides to look like that? No. So I drink water first, and then I'll have coffee or matcha 
or something like that. And then I sit down and I seek the face of God every day. Every day. And which leads to the second thing, consistency. Consistency. I have a time, a set amount of time that I spend with God every single day. It does not change. It is my commitment to him. Whether I'm waking up on an off day a little bit later in the day, or whether I'm supposed to be in a duck blind at 6 a.m. in the morning with an hour drive to get there, I'm spending that amount of time with God that day. It does not matter. It's consistent in my life. And there are days when it feels like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and things are amazing. And there's days where I'm like, God, you know I'm really tired. Lord, but I'm here. And I'm staying consistent and I'm staying in your face. Why? It's my time with him. And you can say that that's legalistic and religious all you want to. It's fruitful in my life. That's like saying that your, your consistent date night with your wife is religious and legalistic. Why are you being so legalistic? I just enjoy my marriage. <laughs> I have a consistent time with the Lord, and it does not change. And a part of that, day, that, that prayer time with God is worship. I wake up in the mornings and I worship. That's typically, after I, I get in my word, that's typically the first thing I do. Is after my time in the word, which we'll talk about that more next week, is I just, I worship. I sing songs to the Lord. I, cut, I pull my phone out and I put it on Spotify. And I find a worship playlist or create a worship playlist and I worship God. It's, listen, it would be fantastic if I walked out and Cody and Brody were in my living room and they were playing and key. That'd be awesome. That doesn't happen. And honestly, it'd be very weird. I'd be weirded out if I walked out. And like, Brody, what, what the heck are you doing in my living room? Okay, I don't have that, but I, I cut on worship songs. And sometimes I sing aloud with them. Other times I sit back and I let those words just, I meditate on them. I let them sing over me. God's word and God's promises. That's a part of how I, I pray every day. Another thing that I do, most of, most of the mornings, this is a big part of it, is I just listen. I quiet my soul and I listen to the Holy Spirit because prayer is not a one-way conversation. Prayer is not just me telling God all the stuff that I need. I tell him what I need, and I'll get to that in a moment, but I also listen to him. And I, I, I need to teach some of you this, because I think sometimes we get condemned about this. I was having a conversation with a, a gentleman in our church earlier this week. There are times when we're praying, and we're like, man, I just, I get so distracted, Pastor Gabe, and I start thinking about other things, and I got to bring it back to prayer. Listen to me, sometimes the Holy Spirit uses that. Sometimes that's the leading in the Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit to get you to things that he wants you to talk to him about. That sometimes it's him directing you to things that he wants to show you or course corrections that he wants to make in your life. So sometimes instead of going, oh God, I'm so sorry, I'm not thinking about this, I'm thinking about my family, and God's going, no, 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 I showed you your family because that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want you to hear. So I quiet my soul, I listen, let him speak to me. Let him guide me. And like, like I said before, there's times where he'll change my direction. Son, I don't want you to do that. Or leads me to the next thing. He shows me who I need to be praying for. 
If you've ever received a text message from me during my prayer time in the morning, it's probably because the Holy Spirit put you on my heart and I was praying for you or he showed me something about you and I just pull out my phone right then and text you because he showed it to me and we're in conversation. Which leads me to the next one, intercede. I pray for other people. I pray for different situations in my family or in our church or in your lives. I have a running list of things on my, on my phone that when people come to me and they say, Pastor, will you pray for this? And I tell them I'm going to pray for them. I don't have to be a Christian liar. And y'all know what I mean. How many of you have had that when somebody says pray for you and you go, absolutely. And they come back, man, God answered my prayer. Thank you so much for praying. And you just go, praise God. That's code for, I forgot to pray for you. I'm so sorry. Right? We've all been guilty of that, myself included. But I have this list so that I can go back to those things and intercede for those things even when I forgot about them. And I'll pray for things. I don't do it. I don't do the same list or the same topic every day. I don't. But when I'm needing God, what am I praying for? I'll go to that. God, I'm praying for them. They're having that surgery. God, I'm praying for them. They're going through this with their family. God, I'm praying for them. They're dealing with their co- their kids and the, this issue in their marriage. Oh, heal it. God, restore them. This confusion, rebuking the devil, all of those things. Interceding. That's a part of my prayer time. And then lastly, I ask him for stuff. I ask him for what I need. I ask him for what I want. He's big enough to tell me yes no or not now. And so that's a part of my time with God. That's how I spend time with God. And I encourage you to do the same. To take that and make that a part of your day when you don't know what to say, you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Other times you need to go back to the things that you told people you were going to pray for. Other times you just need to worship. And something that I didn't mention in the first service but also a big part of it is we're, we're a spirit-filled church. I will pray in tongues. And there are times when I will pray in the spirit. And that's the moment that God is directing my mind to different things to pray for and direct and speaking to my heart. And we could talk about that more later. But that's a part of my prayer life every day. So I encourage you. If you have a hard time with prayer, take this challenge four weeks. 10 minutes a day. Incorporate these things. I'm not going to tell you how long I pray because that's, that's not for you. That's for me. But I encourage you to take 10 minutes and begin there. Start there as we follow Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that this would be our best year spiritually so that it can be our best year naturally. I pray that your people, as they follow you, would learn you in prayer, learn your heart in prayer, hearing what's important to you and the direction you want us to go in and the why behind the what at times. Teach us. We are your followers. We are your disciples. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Listen, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. But before I go, I'm going to encourage you with a couple quick things. Number one, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. If you're free off of work or able to be here before work, come join us as we just pray together and see God's face as we fast and pray going into this new year. Many of you are wondering about spiritual disciplines, like how do I, how do, I do that? This is a great book called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. I encourage you. We're selling them at the old coffee shop. You can go there and purchase one of these books. We sold, we're almost sold out in the first service. So for those of you that want to get there, you can purchase the ones that we have left and we'll order more. And it's all about spiritual disciplines, explaining prayer, Bible reading, fasting, and even other spiritual disciplines that you may not even think are a spiritual discipline. But I encourage you to purchase this on the way out. And then lastly, our prayer team will be here up front if you need prayer for anything. So stand to your feet as I pray for you and release you. Lord, we dedicate this year to you. We consecrate it to you, and we consecrate ourselves to you. And as we do, I pray that you would bless your people, that, God, you would make your face shine on them, that you would bless them in their going out and in their coming in, and that, God, you would give them grace and you would give them peace, and that all that they put their hands to for your kingdom's sake would prosper and be blessed. And as a church, I pray that we would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord, a powerful church who walks in the power of the Holy Spirit, and a persistent church even in the face of challenges. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.